praise the Lord. Amen. Beautiful specials today, one by a football player and one by a cheerleader. Cheerleader. Amen. Thank you for I was looking for the word, brother. Amen. I appreciate both of those. Dale, thank you. Uh, it's always great to have college guys in, uh, especially uh, when they're uh, out of school. I appreciate him so much. Uh, I told the earlier crowd I didn't get any response. I'm sweating. The reason I don't have a tie on, I didn't have a coat on earlier, is I was sweating like a pig going to a butcher shop. <laughs> and it got absolutely no response whatsoever this morning. I thought, boy, this is a rough crowd. So I thought, well, y'all, I'd just say I'm sweating like a sinner going to church. Amen. <laughs> Maybe you'll feel more at home that way. But uh, they're, they're working. I'm working on my medicine. You know, the doctors don't know what's happening with you. Uh, you just have to kind of, something's making me sweat a lot. I don't know what it is. But anyway, I got over the dry mouth, but now it's sweating. But it just put up with it for a little while. It, this too shall pass. 2 Kings chapter 1 is where we are. We'll pick up in 2 Kings. We finished 1 Kings. Tremendous study in that book. Now we'll go to 2 Kings. Somebody said, Preacher, don't you ever preach out of the New Testament? I do a whole lot. Uh, just not here on Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, but we'll go into a New Testament book after we finish 2 Kings. But if you want to hear New Testament, Brother Casey's preaching New Testament, 1 John 5 tonight. So be here at 6 o'clock and you can read the New Testament. Amen? 2 Kings chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ephraim, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up. Thou shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, the king is saying unto them, Why are you now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us, and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you. And say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel, that thou shalt send us uh, to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but thou uh, shalt surely die. And he said unto them, What manner of man, what kind of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered, He was a hairy man, girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Father, thank you this morning. How blessed we are, Lord, just to sing your praises. To even teach us doctrine through these songs. Lord, thank you for allowing that to happen today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would just remember how much you have blessed us. And God, I, I, I thank you, Lord. I, 
I, I don't know of a time in my life, Lord, that I've ever really trusted you and relied on you that you didn't come through. And so, God, I just stop a moment and thank you. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, today, would you forgive me of my sin, cleanse me as I stand before this congregation. And God, may they not hear me, but may they hear you. And may it be clear and plain and simple. And then, Lord God, would your Holy Spirit do his work today in our midst. Lord, as we hear you, we'd be willing to say yes. Whatever it is you want us to do. Maybe there's some missionaries that you're calling this morning. Maybe there's some pastors. Maybe some staff members. Maybe in this place today, there are those that have never met you personally. And today, you, you're calling them home. You're calling them to come, to surrender everything, to follow you. Let your will be done. We're going to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know if you've ever been driving along. There's one right down here at the intersection of Alpine and Highway 80, Marshall. Uh, palm reading. You can get your future told. Tarot cards and palm reading. It's always interesting me. Uh, you know, I mean, I'd like to know my future. I'm at a Baptist church. You don't ever know one day to the next what they're going to do. I, I, I'd like to know what's going to happen five years from now or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of other junk people turn to, horoscopes and, and money relationships and performance and escapism and all that. But where we run to when we're hurting or when we have problems says a whole lot about who we are. says a whole lot about our character. And I submit to you today, I don't want to preach on the character of Elijah. However, that is what we're preaching on. But I want to tie that in to the character of a New Testament church. And the character that this church ought to have in the coming year. And I think we're going to find out that it ought to match up with what Elijah's characteristics were. And uh, there are two kingdoms in Israel. The northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. Remember... The southern kingdom had some good kings and some bad kings. The northern kingdom had no good kings. Every king in the northern kingdom was bad. Uh, so we come here. Uh, God has a way of simplifying this thing. The world doesn't do it very much, but God does. If you want to know what a good king is, a good king is a king that did good. He did right. You want to know what a bad king was? It was a king that did wrong. It's that simple. We live in a world today where people are, are saying, uh, this person is a good person, and they're piling a lot of good on some trashy people. And we're also living in a society where somebody's saying, this person's not right, they're trash, they don't know what they're talking about, they're some right-wing bigot, when in reality they're people of God, and they're good. The world puts a lot of stuff on people like that, but the Bible makes it clear. You want to be a good person, do right. You want to be a bad person, do wrong. I don't understand what all the big problem is. In 2 Kings 1, we're looking at one of those northern kings that did bad. Now, he don't have a chance. God love him. He, there's no way. Uh, his daddy was Ahaz. And the Bible said Ahaz was the worst king that Israel, in fact, that the world has ever done, was Ahaz. The only one that could run him a close second was 
his wife Jezebel. And I would just tell you, young ladies, if you're thinking about having a child and it's a little girl, please strike out that word Jezebel. Don't name your child Jezebel. Good, great. I don't care how mean, how mean they are, amen? You don't name them Jezebel. Jezebel was one that ushered in Baal worship. And uh, she introduced it to Ahab, and then he picked it up, and they carried on. And it wasn't just anybody. It was a people of God. These people knew who God was. These people had seen the miracles of God. History is filled with those miracles. God had shown them who he was, and yet they're bowing to a false god. Now, the last part of chapter 22, uh, verse 51, tells us a little bit about Ahaziah. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel. And uh, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother. He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked to anger the Lord God of Israel according to all that his father had done. Now, his father... Uh, was a wicked man. He in turn, like father, like son, just carries it on there. Now he's fallen through a lattice, got some kind of disease. He's nigh unto death. And he sends out the messengers to ask the question. It's a legitimate question. I was thinking about it this morning. I had one pants leg on and one off. Oh, dear Lord, what if I had a heart attack and died right now? <laughs> My God, I never could get the other pants leg on. And here they have to come. I mean, have you ever thought about what, what, what's going to happen when you die? I mean, where you are is where you are. And so this is a legitimate question. But he's asking the wrong person. Who tells you when you're going to live and die? It's God alone. And yet he's asking a false prophet, Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. Now, he sends out the, the messengers. And on their way, they're bet by the prophet of God. Uh, the prophet of the Most High God, and he's got a word from Almighty God. How many of you know that when you're on your way to do something stupid and foolish and crazy, the last thing you want to do is meet a man of God that's got a word from God. That's the last thing you want to do. No. He said, look, is there no God in Israel? And don't you know these messengers thought, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is this guy? How does he know our boss is sick? How does he know our boss sent a... Who, how does he know all of this stuff? So you know they're wide-eyed and their jaws have already dropped and, and they, they, they go back and they, they get to the king. The king understands that there had not been time enough for them to go all the way to Beelzebub there. And, and he said, hey, why are you all doing back here? And he said, king, we, we're doing just what you said to do. We were on our way. Suddenly this man comes to us and says, look, just stop where you are. Turn back. Go tell your boss, uh, is there not a God in Israel? And because of uh, his jealousy towards uh, uh, that, uh, your king, he's not coming off the bed. He's going to die. Man. And Ahaziah asked this question. What manner of man is he? Well, what kind of man was he? Well, th this man who was representing God, this man who stands on behalf of Jehovah, this church who's representing God, this church who stands upon the King of kings and Lord of lords, what kind of church are we? It's a good question. Uh, Kings reigned in this time. And to hear from God, you had to have a real prophet. 
Now they had some solution. If the prophet prophesied and it didn't come true, they just stoned him to death. It pretty well weeded out all the false prophets. They verified it. Now we know Elijah was a real prophet. The mind of God has always been revealed to his people. We no longer live in the days of the era that we need a man, a prophet. We don't no longer need to uh, hear someone just sing what God is thinking or what God is, is saying. Uh, you may have one of these little bracelets that says, uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You can cut that thing off and throw it away. You want to know what Jesus did, just read this book. You don't have to wonder what he would do. Well, you've got the whole Bible right here. And so God has revealed his mind to mankind, not through the psychics and not through the prophets and not through the religious leaders and the palm readers and the soothsayers. He's delivered it through the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. This is where God has revealed his word from. You want to know what God's thinking? Here it is right here. You get into the word of God. I thank God that in 2022, with all of the craziness going on, I don't care what station you watch or what people you watch, half of it's crazy. Of all the craziness going on, we're not rambling and wandering and meandering through life trying to figure out what to do. I'm glad this morning I woke up with a road map. I got a flashlight in a dark alley. I got, I, in the middle of chaos, I've got understanding through the Word of God. In the middle of the pandemic and all of the panic, I've got orders. I've got peace. This book, written by more than by 40 authors at more than 1,500 years, has never been proven wrong. Never. Never. Did you know I said never? Then why wouldn't we read this book and study this book? Because in it is life, joy, peace. It's a perfect book. It's complete. It's absolute. It's whole. It's finished. It's, it is total. It's exact. It's accurate. It's spot on, as they say today. It's a powerful book. It's strong. It's great, forceful, fierce, influential, prevailing, authoritative, dominant. It's a piercing book. It penetrates. It's intense. It's sharp. It's keen. It's cutting. It's the holy word of God. Now here the voice of God was directed to a prophet. Today the voice of God is in the book. And not only is it in the book, but Jesus has established an institution called the Ecclesia, the call out, the local New Testament church to facilitate the, the spreading of the word of God. That's one of the jobs of this church, of this of a task of this church. It's not the Salvation Army's job. It's not the schools. It's not the Red Cross. It's not the judicial system. It's a local New Testament church to tell mankind that Jesus was born, that he died, that he was buried, and he rose again the third day, and he's alive right now. He's living right now. And there's only one way to ever get into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that is to come through the cross through Jesus Christ. A lot of people, I had a pastor write me last night, uh, one of them little nasty letters, you know, I heard him preaching, 
You're asking people to accept Jesus into their heart and life. He said, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. I wrote him back and I said, it doesn't say rapture anywhere either, but you're counting on it. <laughs> it doesn't say Trinity anywhere either, but you're counting on it. I don't think anybody here in this church has ever got the idea that all you've got to do is come down and say a prayer inside a car and you're saved. I believe this church pretty well preached repentance. That you get saved by repenting of your sin and inviting Christ to take over your life. You call it whatever you want to. We just need to remind ourselves that this is not a massage parlor. This is not a social club. This is not where we sit in padded pews at 68 degrees and enjoy life. We are a facilitator of the Word of God. The gospel and the Word of God. Now, what manner of man was he? Let me ask a question today. Because these are wicked times that we live in. We're seeing leaders that don't walk according to the Word of God. Culture is off the book. Churches. Uh, people are applauding good uh, for evil and evil for good. And every day the world seems to get worse. Somebody, somebody needs to represent God. And I believe with all my heart in the middle of all of this nonsense that's going on, Woodland Hills Baptist Church and other local New Testament churches need to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. Amen. We need to represent God. You know, what, what kind of church are we? I mean, you know, uh, here a while back, or just a few weeks ago, some guy got a dream. I guarantee you, he ate too much turnip greens after 9 o'clock. He'll do it every time. <laughs> Move along, you start a new church. That's what we need in Longview. I mean, there's 100 churches within 10 miles of here. Uh, you know, these guys, they come in, they start a new church, and they're, they're, a, they're a pastor. You think, well, how did they get to be a pastor? Well, they don't have any qualifications. They're just a pastor. I'm pastor so-and-so. And then three weeks later, bless God, they're the Rev. Go down to the coffee shop. Hey, Rev. Now they're the Rev. You wait another couple of weeks, and they're the apostle. Wow. Six months later, they're a bishop. And another three months later, they haven't got an international church and ain't never left the country. What, what kind of church are we? See, we're hung up on titles and formalities and all that. I told those preachers this week, if I hear one of you call me Dr. Hunt in front of any of my church members, so help me God, I will whip you. <laughs> I'm not even a nurse. <laughs> Amen? Just because you've got a robe on or wear your collar backwards don't make you a priest or a pastor or a man of God. Just because a building has a steeple on it doesn't make it a church. You know what the big problem, I heard and I were talking about the other night. The big problem in church growth gurus right now, Tom Rainer and all those guys right on down, they're all asking, I get 10 or 12 emails a week. They're all asking the same thing. We're, we're in a problem. We got a problem. We got a problem. Well, my soul, it don't take a rocket scientist to know we've been in a problem. You know what our problem is? We don't know how to count. How we going to count the people? My goodness, some of them's live streaming. Some of them's here at church. Some of them's over sitting in a parking lot. How are we going to count the people? We don't know how we're going to count them. Why don't we not worry about counting the people? Why don't we just praise the Lord and minister to people? 
He says it's bad to preach on sin. You don't need to preach on sin. When he was asked on the national television, what about homosexuality? No, no problem. No problem. I, I don't have an opinion. You don't need an opinion. You say, preacher, why don't you just call out his name? Well, it was Joel Osteen. You say, wow, you're picking on my man. I like him. That's because he don't call out your sin. <laughs> Amen? Don't, don't tell him your position. Your position's not important. My position's not important. My opinion's not important. You want to know what God thinks about these things? Get in the Word of God. And just quote the Word of God. The only thing I'm guilty of is I'm guilty of standing for God. He's going to win. I want to be on the winning team. I'm having enough losers in life. But God, I want to be on the winning team. Amen? Well... The sovereignty of God. The second thing, though, that Elijah is, he's, he's branded by a separated character. What, what, what kind of man was he? What, what, what manner of man will come up here and tell the king that he's going to die? And they say, well, he was hairy. <laughs> and he wore a thick leather girdle. In other words, he had a distinct appearance. Uh, you can tell he's a little bit different. He's not average. He's a messenger of God. He lives separately. What kind of church are we? We ought to be a church that's serving God and not serving the devil. We ought to be a church that's set up like a church and not like a club. And I'm not talking about judging what people wearing or the way anybody's looking. I'm just saying when you work for God, you ought to look like you're working for God. Hmm. You know what old Ahaziah said? I know that man. He was my daddy's biggest enemy. Well, you know what he told my daddy? He, my mama was standing in front of him. Embarrassed them. He said, it ain't going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And then walked off. I know it. That, look at the scripture. Verse 1. That is Elijah Tishbite. <laughs> He's living a separate life. Now, I'm, I'm working. I really am. I, I'm trying to smile more. I've been in front of the mirror. separated. God help us 
as a church, whether we're teaching life groups or preaching or leading the children or choir or anything else, to put the truth out in a simple fashion where people can grasp it. I pray you never have to leave here wondering, I wonder what the Bible really said about that. I wonder what God really thinks about that. Let me give you this last one out there. I've got to hurry. He was consistent in Scripture and preaching. He was consistent. If you look, we read verses 3 and 4. And then if you look down at verse 6, we read it. He said unto him, There came a man to meet us and said, Go turn again to the king that sent you and say, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Wherefore, you'll not come down from your bed where you've gone up, you're going to die. Mm. Now, what he does is when, when those guys come back, Ola, Elijah's just going on up sitting on a hill somewhere. See, when, you, when you've been obedient to God, you can sit down and rest. The rest of it's in God's hands. So Ahaziah, if, if we don't have time this morning, but verse 9 and following, Ahaziah sends 50 men with a captain up there, and they're going to get Elijah. Well, God sends fire down from heaven and wipes them out. Well, Ahaziah, I mean, it's not him. He sends 50 more men up there with a captain. Want to bring him in? Fire falls from heaven, wipes him out. He sends the third group of 50 men with a captain up there to Elijah. Now, this old boy learned something now. He immediately falls down on his face and says, Oh, Elijah, have mercy on us. Show us favor today. Don't do like these other two groups and set us on fire. And God said, Elijah, get up and go with them. Go on down there and see the king. So he goes in and he sees the king. Now this is what he tells him in verse 16. Look at it there. He said unto him, that's the king he's talking to, thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ephraim, is it not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou gone up, but thou shalt surely die. You say, preacher, what, 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 what's the importance of that? Well, in verse 3 and 4, God tells Elijah what he's going to say. In verses 6, verse 6, Elijah tells the servants what God has already told him to say. In verse 16, Elijah tells the king the same thing he told the servants. The same thing that God told Elijah. Well, what are you saying? I'm saying that if the word of God is good for white people, it's good for black people. If the word of God is good for homeless people, it's good for millionaires. If the word of God is good for English people, it's good for Spanish people. If the word of God is good on a big day, it's good on a Wednesday night prayer meeting. If it was the word of God, it still is the word of God. It's not going to change. Not going to change. Think with me just a moment. I'm closing. Circling, making a landing. <laughs> oh, I've got a beautiful orange. I know just where I'm going to make it. Think with me. Uh, we're all at a table. And we've been at work this morning. And 
we're sitting there around the table. The little boy says, you know what? I, I went to a church yesterday, and man, that preacher opened the Bible, and he just, he didn't have mercy on God. He just preached the Word of God. And the little boy sitting at the table, he said, you know, I went to a church, and it was a funeral. And that preacher opened the Bible at a funeral. Told us that if we didn't come by way of Jesus, we were never going to see our loved one again. And then another guy pops up and he said, well, I'll tell you what. I went to see a preacher preach, and he wasn't there. And some young guy got up, and he peeled the paint off the wall. And then another guy said, well, I, I went to a church the other day, and, and the preacher wasn't there, and there wasn't no young guy there. It was a guy visiting. And boy, he opened the Bible and he preached. And finally one of them said, you know what? Sounds to me like y'all went to the same church. And I sure hope that would be Woodland Hills. Because if it's a testimony given by a young person, or a ladies' Bible study, or a men's Bible study, or a fellowship, or a choir, or preaching, or large groups, or children's church, or youth ministry, or camps, or whatever, I pray we'd be known as a church that would get out the Word of God consistently. See, there's a lot of folk, I hate, there's a lot of folk that would have told the servant, I'll tell you what you do, you go back and tell your king that he's going to die. And then that preacher come into that king. <laughs> You know, you, you may not die. I'm not always 100% accurate. <laughs> I mean, there's a chance if you repent, you may get all right. You know. No. No. He preached the same thing to the king that he preached to the servants that God told him to preach. Will Rogers was known. Some of y'all remember Will Rogers. He's known for his laughter. Everybody laughing. He was out in... California, Los Angeles, at the Milton Berry Institute. It's a hospital that specialized in uh, rehabilitation of polio victims, serious victims, broken backs, and serious physical extreme handicaps. And of course, old Rogers, after about 15, 20 minutes, had everybody just died laughing. I mean, even the patients in bad condition, they're sitting there just dying laughing. And Rogers left the stage and went over and went into the bathroom. The founder of the hospital, Milton Berry, followed him in there to give him a towel. When he opened the door, he found Will Rogers leaning up against the wall, sobbing like a child. Sobbing. In a few moments, he came back out, his jovial self, begin to make people laugh again. I, I would submit to you, there's three questions that you need to ask of yourself and I need to ask of myself and we need to ask of this church. Number one, to determine what kind of man really is. What, what makes a man laugh? I mean, laughter's good. Laughter's a medicine. What kind of laughter? What does it take to make you laugh? And then what does it take to make you angry? Well, we can... We can, we can get loose pretty quick. The third question is, what does it take to make you weep? I, 
I hear today that it's time for the church to stand up, angry leaders, militant Christianity. I, I don't know. Maybe it is. But I would submit to you today that rather than being angry, what we really need is anguish. See, the difference between anger and anguish is a broken heart. But what this world needs is a church. We, over those who are sick, we, over those who are lost, that would have a broken heart or homes within just a few miles of here. They don't know if their daddy or mama's coming home. And even in this church, to weep over young couples that are going through stress and going through struggles. And then on top of it, not want to do what's right. Sometimes you just need to suck it up and do what's right. And I'm telling you now, I think if we're going to be an influence in 2022, and until the Lord comes again, our emphasis has got to be on us becoming the people of God that we want. According to this Bible, we can have the mind of Christ. We can begin to think like Christ and act like Christ. But it's up to us. This morning, maybe God's saying to you, hey, I remember when you walked down the aisle, but you didn't have no relationship with me. And he's saying today, hey, I want you to quit playing church. I want you to come down here and for honest, I, you can't save yourself, admit you're a sinner, repent of that sin, and let Christ come into your heart and your life and take over everything. Maybe this morning you're looking for a church home. If you're looking for one that's going to be upbeat that never preaches about sin, you probably, I could give you a few lists and you can go check them out. But you're probably not going to be happy here. But if you're looking at one that's going to stand on the Word of God, from the front door to the back door, you're welcome. Lord, today, how we need you. Lord, we need you. I pray today, Lord Jesus, you'll break our hearts. Lord, these altars would become filled again in this new year with people who seriously, they, they, they want to follow you. They want to be broken hearted. They want to see miracles of God happen again. Lord, have your way in our lives. We'll praise you. Jesus. Would you stand and Brother Aaron leads us. God speaking to your heart.